And this is all from an elected body, right, that will say infrastructure truly is the key thing, is what this country truly needs. It's part of every campaign at this point in time. Whether you're running for the House, the Senate, or even the White House, everybody will say infrastructure is infrastructure. We need that to get done, but it's just not going The end is in the beginning, and lies far ahead. That's a quote from one of my favorite books of all time, the novel Invisible Man. It's a bit of a reference to the book's structure, and the narrator's place in time in the prologue and epilogue, both being in the present moment, now of the man telling the story. It could also well apply to the structure of this podcast, given what you heard at the top. And it could also describe the circular nature of political and social change, and the way the same issues seem to persist and persist and persist beyond our attempts at debating and mitigating them. Infrastructure and adequate investment in it, well, probably fits that description quite well. And it's the political reality described up top that is our destination for this edition of Overdrive Radio. I'm Todd Dills, and man speaking that truth, that contention that, yeah, all politicians and all of us as a society, of course, claim to care about the health of the infrastructure on which we live our lives, and I'll let you haul your loads to run your businesses, but on Capitol Hill, well, none of us like to talk uh, much about just how to pay for it. That was another part of what the man you heard was getting at, summing everything up quite more elegantly than myself in the end. That's Truckload Carriers Association, Vice President of Government Affairs, David Heller. No doubt a straight shooter, as I've known him over the last several years. The last session of the main program at the TCA Safety and Security Division meeting earlier this week in St. Louis was a wide-ranging talk with Heller, hosted by trucking broadcasting great Dave Nemo and Radio Nemo host Jimmy Mack. Looming large over the talk, conducted on Tuesday, was the House of Representatives' version of a highway bill that was scheduled for what ultimately was a 19-hour marathon markup session Wednesday and into the wee hours Thursday, with reps introducing amendments to what's called the Invest in America Act. Find our reporting on the trucking liability insurance related aspects of that markup at overdriveonline.com from yesterday, among other aspects of the bill. In today's podcast, we're going to track back through Heller's viewpoints on a variety of aspects of just what's happening on Capitol Hill around infrastructure, and along the way make dives into driver training and the notion of allowing under 21 interstate drivers with extra such training into autonomous vehicles and their implications for the commercial vehicle operators of the future, and the here and now, of course, and much more. It all starts with the Drive Safe Act, in fact, which as regular overdrive readers will know would establish an apprenticeship-type program that, with assistive technology, might allow 18- to 21-year-old CDL holders to haul interstate within some other program limits. This is a good bill. I mean... That's Heller's view on the Drive Safe Act, anyway. We surveyed Overdrive's audience in March on allowing an interstate option for under 21 drivers, and a majority of readers showed no favor for that, with 63% saying it shouldn't be allowed, full stop. 15% had unqualified support, on the other hand, and about 18% supported the idea with either a robust apprenticeship program in place or a mileage range limitation. You'll hear contrasting views here from Heller and TCA, no doubt, and keep in mind the organization is made up of carrier personnel and management, truckload operations, large and small, down to the occasional very small carrier or current driver you'll meet in attendance at one of their meetings. I've always got a clear sense of the political process, though, for sure, and his thoughts on where Congress could head on potential highway reauthorization 
or not if Democrats decide to go it alone on Biden's Americans jobs plan pitched as infrastructure investment. Well, stay tuned. Before we jump right in with Heller and the bill that would allow under 21 CDL holders that interstate option, here's a message from Overdrive Radio's sponsor. First Guard provides commercial truck insurance to leased owner operators done right. As we've done for more than 80 years, we provide physical damage and non-trucking. Many companies make you pay up to six months of insurance premiums up front, but not First Guard. We bill monthly, so you get quality insurance without needing to pay a lot of cash up front. Go to firstguard.com. That's one guardcom First Guard. We speak trucker. Let's talk. It's good legislation, without a doubt. I think one thing that these safety advocates, which is what they like to call themselves, and I prefer to call the people in this room safety advocates, I agree with Jim Ward on that point, because you're all reading safety every day. This is a good bill. I mean, the one thing we have to note about these 18, 19, 20-year-old drivers is guess what? They're currently driving, right? To say this is a new thing with a new demographic. No, it's not. 49 of the states in the country have the ability to have an 18, 19 year old not get their CDL and driving in trust in commerce. Where Drive Safe Act goes a little bit further is it creates an apprenticeship type of program, which just is not there right now. This puts that in place and then allows these younger drivers to actually cross state lines to travel from, say, Washington, D.C. into Massachusetts, because you're going to cross like six, seven states at that point. So the reality is, is this is good language, this is a good bill, it's bipartisan in effort, right? But it wasn't introduced in the base bill that got introduced late last week. An amendment to include the Drive Safe Act in the House of Representatives Invest in America Act version of surface transportation reauthorization was in fact on the schedule for consideration during the markup Wednesday. But it was withdrawn by the rep who introduced it and never received a vote up or down by the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. Heller was speaking the very day before that scheduled markup, as I've noted. Through the House. So it's interesting, it's one of those things, there's markup tomorrow, there's the expectation that conversations are going to be had regarding drive safety to see if this language does get in there in the markup. Now, if you're there last year in markup, this was a two, three day marathon uh, that you listened to virtually. It was just lengthy, to say the very least. It was very party driven. It seemed like every Democratic introduction got introduced where the GOP basically struck out, which isn't good for infrastructure not good for this type of legislation. But at the same point, there's Drive Safe Act with its apprenticeship type program, technology put on the trucks of it, AEBs, which TCA also supports, and I think everybody in the room can get behind it. By AEBs, Heller means automatic emergency braking technology, outfitted in many new trucks today. As reported yesterday, the current version of the House Highway Bill would set the government on a path toward requiring such technology on most new highway trucks a few years down the road as well as speed limiters. So it's creating very highly technical trucks that just, that are there right now, and, but it puts that 18, 19 year old and gives them the ability to cross state lines. That's all that's preventing them to do that right now is that law. It puts them in that thing. So when the quote unquote safety advocates say this is not a good bill, they're not being totally honest with you. They're not acknowledging the fact that these younger drivers are actually operating today in the interstate commerce. And they'll be driving the most expensive truck in the fleet, won't they? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, and again, kudos to everybody in the room because they're specking out this technology as it is, but to get these 18, 19 year old drivers, you'll put ADB on there, you'll put your four collision avoidance mitigation systems on there. Because that's that's the way the industry goes. You're specking these out on your new equipment and to put these younger drivers behind the wheel to operate in that. They'll be having this advanced technological masterpiece at, at the helm. They'll be driving it in interstate commerce 
if dry safe were to become a reality. Well, correct, and you have to remember traditionally speaking when it comes to interstate commerce, you know, if you get a, a graduated high school senior wanting to get into the trucking industry, they may get attracted by the military, they may get attracted by the trades, construction, plumbing, electrician. What happens is generally they might go off into another profession before they get back to trucking. If this demographic were to be opened up, it would give interstate trucking the ability to recruit drivers right out of high school and operate a commercial motor vehicle. Now, in saying that, the question is always going to be, well, they're unsafe, right? Are they? I mean, is there anybody in this room that can show me publicly available data that says an 18-year-old driver is an unsafe driver in a commercial motor vehicle? There's no one because I've looked under the rock and stone there. It absolutely is for this data. And it simply doesn't exist. The FMCSA actually tried to do a pilot program with military trained drivers. And guess what? There aren't any 18-year-old military trained drivers that can participate in the pilot. So then they opened up the pilot to remove the military designation. And then we had an administration change. And that pilot program has basically went kaput. No longer really exists. They're not really working on it. So the question then becomes data. Data is king. You know, we had a, a workshop talking about data, and in this world, data is the new oil. But there is no data out there that justifies this type of commercial driver. Now we have to remember, our professional truck drivers are the safest, most well-trained drivers on the road today, hands down. Period. End of story. Nobody can make that argument that there are other better-trained drivers. So in saying that, using that driver training, and there's new curriculum that's set to take place in February. That was designed without age in mind. It was designed to be equally proficient for an 18-year-old driver as well as a 40-year-old driver. That is entering the truck driving industry. So there you have it. You've got a training regulation that's coming about. You have these technologically advanced trucks, all in an effort to attract a demographic that previously may not have been attracted to an industry before. Does it solve the problem? No, it doesn't. I agree with you. But it does help. It opens the door. It opens the door and gets people exposed to an industry that they may not have thought about. The problem Heller mentioned there was one referenced in part by Dave Nemo's radio colleague Jimmy Mack, also on stage at TCA, who had noted longer-term challenges for trucking companies in attracting younger generations, as well as the desire for bolstered training initiatives and requirements widely viewed among drivers he talks to as necessary not just for any hypothetical 18-year-old interstate hauler, but any new driver, period. The required apprenticeship model the DriveSafe Act would set up for under 21 drivers to begin to drive interstate is one I know many might argue ought to be in place across the board for new CDL holders. I've heard it before, of course. When we talk about engaging a new generation in driving, too, there's always that looming specter promoted in the splashy videos in recent years of companies promising fully autonomous truck operation. Heather threw a pretty big dose of cold water on the perceived threat to trucking work contained therein. Well, there's one thing you notice, right? Everybody wants to talk about autonomous vehicles, and they're great and fun conversations to have, right? Imagine a truck driving by itself in your Walmart parking lot. You're going to do a double take and say, hey, where's the driver? But the one thing nobody ever seems to answer is if these are unmanned vehicles, why, are there, why is there a windshield? Right? Have you seen one of these trucks without a windshield? Which means somebody got to sit there and look out. There's just no way around it. Uh, why put it in there? So there is going to be a need to have somebody in the cockpit, in the pilot seat, in the driver's seat. We can call it what we want, but there's going to be a need to have it. And, and why is there going to be a need to have it? Well, quite frankly, this is kind of serious. Is because they drive trucks into crowds in Europe. 
it's a security aspect, right? There's going to have to be an opportunity to, to hit a kill switch and somebody's gonna have to be able to operate that truck. It's unfortunate, and that's the world we live in today, but quite frankly, that's really where it is, right? This is a security issue. If last year in our virtual safety meeting, we had a guy basically tell the world that he could hack an ELD. He can literally tap into an ELD of this driving down the street and he can stop the truck. So, and if anybody tried to purchase gas, in the southeastern states about three weeks ago, the Colonial Pipeline got hacked, and you saw those big lines at the gas station. Same basic principle. This is a different world we're living in here. And we have all AVs that are designed to operate in an automatic environment, but at the same point, there's still going to be a need for somebody to sit there. To say nothing of the political climate, right? President Biden gets elected president. Who is he closely tied to? Well, the union. Right? And what's the union mantra? Let's not lose members. They're not in the business to lose members. They're in the business to gain members. So in saying that, you don't win votes or support from the union by saying they're going to replace truck drivers. Right. So where does it stand right now? It's great technology. It really is. And I, I've seen it. I think it's kind of cool. It's kind of neat to look at. But there's still a windshield. There's still room for somebody to sit there. And there's still reasons to do it. Um, there's going to be tremendous safety benefits for having this technology, without a doubt. And everybody in this room is pro-safety. Um, so it's getting this tech on these vehicles that improve those numbers, that reduce those accidents, or prevents those accidents from happening in part. I know it's on the cusp, but something that is being addressed, but again, it hasn't truly been figured out yet. These are the conversations that are going on. Again, AV is great. It's a cool conversation to have, but not all the I's are dotted, not all the T's are crossed on these issues because of that safety element and the things that that hacking environment that gets into. They're highly technically advanced pieces of equipment. And if you ask me how they work, I'm going to look at you like you're great because I don't have a freaking clue. You know, you turn the key on and start driving down the highway. That's basically, but at the same point, there has to be checks and balances that get worked into that. So these people, drivers, the general public are safe when they're operating. Them. What does that driver of the future look like? Jimmy Mack mentioned former FMCSA chief Jim Mullen, now in a prominent position at the Two Simple Trucking Company built to design and operate increasingly more autonomous vehicles. Mullen came on Mack's show sounding not like a former regulator, but a driver recruiter making a pitch for employment to truckers. That reminds me of the pitch the former Starsky Robotics Company made to drivers as well. You heard that in the final episode of our Over the Road series. Larger question though, Will future drivers be akin to, say, rolling computer mainframe operators, if you will? Does that new driver look at It's ironic, right? You have an autonomous vehicle producer saying, we're looking for drivers. It's almost like an oxymoron at that point, saying, why do we need drivers if it's an autonomous vehicle? Um, but yeah, does the driver, the new driver in this type of equipment, does it look different than the day of Nemo when he started out? I mean, is it a, a new, does it go to the commercial vehicle operator that the warden is referring to earlier? I mean, this is what we're talking about. It's a different looking driver. It's a better trained, probably more technologically savvy. It's that kid that's playing Call of Duty probably right now with his friends online. Trucking as video game? Hmm. That's not what Heller meant, of course, but if you're cynical about prospects for safety with increasing complexity in truck equipment, maybe that's a good analogy for you. So on to FMCSA. What did Heller read in the tea leaves around agency priorities at this relatively early stage in the Biden administration? We'll soon know enough, he said, essentially, but it might take a while. When Ray Martinez was sworn in as the administrator of FMCSA, it was a nine-month window since the transition since the administration changed. And that was a long time. But guess what? 
here we are six months into a new administration. We've got a, a prospective candidate who has yet to be confirmed in Mirazoshi, and she's a very informative, very curious person about the trucking industry, came from the New York City Taxi Cab Administration, and now she's obviously getting into trucking. So she's asking all the right questions and very curious. The issue is going to be is going, what does her bench fill out? How does her bench fill out? Because there's no nominees yet at FMCSA. Because she's not there. Because she's not there. So there's a lot of empty seats over there at the agency, which guess what? If we're all sitting here six months into a new administration, you know who's been ominously quiet? FMCSA, right? Where are they? You know, we had some news coming out of the courts where they had the 60-day abeyance on the hours of service regulation so that they could study it further. But guess what? The career people, the Joe Lorenzos, the Jack Dan Steenbergers, who were there when that rule was written are still there. That data hasn't changed. The basis of that rulemaking hasn't changed. There have been some opinions from those who oppose it who have changed, but it's interesting when you see administration changes. You've got Mayor Pete or Pete Buttigieg in there as the head of DOT, and he certainly has some star quality or some star power. I think, you know, if you read the DC uh, papers, he certainly gets the attention of everybody when he rides a bike across town to go to the Capitol or what have you, gets the attention. Um, but at the same point, he's a very policy driven guy. He's a smart man. Um, again, He'll ask the right questions, they'll go down that right road, but they're now embroiled in some pretty hot and heavy topics, aren't they? You know, we're talking infrastructure, we're talking the American jobs plan that's going on at Capitol Hill, and, the, and people that Jake's involved in those conversations. He's done his Kimmel, he's done his late night talk shows to address some of these things. I know Catherine and I have watched them numerous times, but he gets involved in some of these things, and he's asking these questions, trying to push that across the finish line. And it's an interesting thing when you look at this administration because we're, we still don't have the bench strength to move forward on some of these initiatives. And FMCSA still remains quiet on what they're intended to look at. The House Highway Bill and its detailed sets of trucking-related provisions presided over the Tuesday discussion, as I noted earlier. Heller here reminded those in attendance that, of course, this is just one version of reauthorization. And the Senate's approach to all of this has been different for certain to date. The more modest and detailed version coming out of committee a couple weeks back, as well as just today, announcement of a bipartisan framework short on detail that could serve yet another approach to infrastructure. This is just the House version, okay? And there's a lot of safety titles in there, buried in there. I've even talked to a few people. Buried in there is actually one sentence that is particularly interesting when it comes to this infrastructure law. Um, and this is really reauthorization. This isn't even a very job act. This is reauthorization. There's one sentence in there. One sentence note that says it allows FMCSA the ability to view ELD data. For purposes of conducting research, mind you. Which, guess what, we never met with FMCSA before. On rules and regulations, we talk about ELD data, their first line of defense, so we don't have the, we don't have the ability to see it. We don't have congressional permission to look at that data. Now you can gift wrap the form and put it in comments. I know we've done that before when it comes to rules like hours of service. For instance, in the truckload segment of the industry, drivers in our industry are averaging somewhere between six and a half and seven hours of drive time per day. And that's out of the 11 hours that are granted them. So somewhere along the line, they're falling short. But there's that one sentence in there that's now starting to allow, or would allow if it does get passed. And let's emphasize that it does, because the Senate really hasn't even rung in yet. And we haven't even had a serious discussion of actually how we're going to pay for all of this. Um, but that one sentence is certainly a game changer if they start looking at that. You know, Going back to that very statement, the data is king. It's the tool. There's that data. Now, granted, it most likely will be anonymized and aggregated, 
But that one sentence, and it's one sentence alone, it is in that bill. And it's a massive bill. You've got things like minimum insurance, you've got side underwriting, you've got CSA. Um, what's even more interesting is you've got drug testing, not in the, not in the form of hair follicle testing, but you've got oral fluid testing, which is interesting. They kind of sidestep the hair aspect of it. And this is well even before markup, right, which happens again tomorrow. And it's just a massive markup exercise on what could get introduced. So if you have Democrats throwing everything at the wall, which is most likely what's going to happen, Republicans throwing things at the wall and then saying no because it's GOP-based, which is what happened last year. I mean, every Democratic markup or, or amendment got introduced, got accepted, and every GOP one just got you know thrown to the trash can and floated down. And that's just the House, which is interesting because now you've got the Senate that almost always comes into play. Right? Once the Senate comes in, and it comes into play because of that very pure filibuster agreement that goes on in the Senate, meaning you need 60 votes to pass in the Senate something like a reauthorization bill. And it, that filibuster says that 10 of those votes got to come from the GOP, and that's not likely to happen in today's political climate. You got name seven. Correct. If you're lucky, you know, you, you'll get those seven that may try to get some press and whatnot. But and, and, and the number dropped will be closer to re-election. Correct. Which is a good point because it's not even re-election we're concerned about because in 18 months we're getting midterm election right there. <laughs> which a lot of people widely believe that the House, if not the Senate, may actually swing Republican, which it's game on at that point. This is a whole interesting world of politics where people don't get along. It's very partisan in nature. It's not bipartisan. Let's face facts. We all watch the news, whether it's CNN, whether it's MSNBC, whether it's Fox News. They all say the same thing, right? It's partisan politics out there, and there's issues out there, such as these things and these bills. Now, that just may not stick. The one thing that did stick, which we're pretty happy with, is Congressman Boss, congressman from right across the river. He had a truck parking plan with some real dollars attached to it. They actually increased those dollars. Probably in the middle. But that's the billion dollar number. I just, and that's what we're joking about. That's the voice of Jimmy Mack there. When you put a billion dollars in the parking, it means they got some other stuff in there that they know you're not going to be happy about. But it was a big thing. Everybody was kind of caught flat-footed in a good way by the billion dollars. Correct. And you know, we can we can have these conversations, which are great, but the real hard conversation when it comes to all of these, whether it's infrastructure reorganization, the American Jobs Plan is almost always going to be where do the dollars come from? At what point is Tim Clark opening up his wallet and saying, "Hey, let's put this towards this type of thing." And that's the conversation, that's the hard one, right? We've heard fancy terms like reconciliation. We've heard uh, tax increases for corporations. But where does this fall? How does this break out? How does it settle? And, and that has yet to shake out. I mean, those are the conversations, you know. The American Jobs Plan. The American Jobs Plan was a $2 billion or $2 trillion investment. The GOP opening salvo on infrastructure was $500 billion. So right. and what's even more interesting is American Jobs Plan, and here's where that comes into that equation, right? If that goes through what many perceive to be a reconciliation process, reauthorization is dead, right? If, if the Democrats push reconciliation on the, on the American Jobs Plan, you, you're not going to get a reauthorization. They, the, the Republicans just won't have it because reconciliation is something that they do in Congress through simple majority, and that's financial in nature. It's basically budgetary adjustments, if you will, and they call it reconciliation. Um, and they did that with the COVID relief package where they put literally trillions of dollars out to the American public to address the COVID issues. The aspect is to do the same thing with the American Jobs Plan. The problem is, is if they go that and they can get it done alone through the Democratic Party, they'd have to do it sooner rather than later because, again, the midterm issues are coming out. If that gets done through reconciliation, 
it's going to be all out battle to move on infrastructure or, or reauthorization. Nobody's going to want to move that, and you're not going to get 60 votes in the Senate. Period. End of story. Right. End of the game right there. So, again, the hard question, the hard conversation is the pay for it. Is the dollar really come from, and who's cracking open the piggy bank for this? Because it, it's getting those dollars to add up to fund the highway trust fund. Those conversations just are not proving fruitful at this point in time. And this is all from an elected body, right, that will say infrastructure truly is the key thing. It's what this country truly needs. It's part of every campaign at this point in time. Whether you're running for the House, the Senate, or even the White House, everybody will say infrastructure is infrastructure. We need that to get done, but it's just not going to get About all else I can say is to keep tuned to overdriveonline.com to see how it all works out, if it works out, over the next months. Overdrive Radio is a production of Overdrive, the voice of the American trucker. It's edited and produced by myself, Todd Dills, with no small amount of support from Overdrive Extra contributor and Muller Trucking Hauler, Paul Marhofer, Overdrive Editorial Director Max Heine, Social Media Coordinator Holly Young, and News Editor Matt Cole. Until next time, keep it pro out there.